find in Psalm 84, and we'll be there in just a few minutes. Psalm 84, we are uh, on the, uh, you would call it the last leg of our series called Tell Someone. It's something we started back in the first part of September. We're working our way all the way up through uh, to, to October the 30th. October 30th is two weeks from today. <clears throat> That's our high attendance Sunday. That's what we've been praying for. That's what we've been preparing for. Hopefully you have been inviting people to Sunday school, the five unchurched people to your small group. Hopefully you've been praying for lost people to come to know Christ. And then also uh, sharing your gospel, sharing the faith that Christ has done for you. And, and if you haven't had an opportunity to do all of that, like I said, we're in the last stretch. We're in the, the, the final home stretch leading up to October 30th. I pray that you are praying specifically for that. Psalm 84 uh, can be interpreted two or three different ways. All of them are, I believe, are correct. Uh, so when you look at it through a couple of different ways, if you look at Psalm 84, you have a, <clears throat> a nation of Israel who has been in exile. And they haven't been in Jerusalem. They haven't been in the temple. And they're desiring to come back. So as we read Psalm 84, you can look at it through the eyes of the nation of Israel coming back to, uh, to Jerusalem. You can look at it through the eyes of an individual who desires to go to the house of God, but for some reason he cannot go to the house of God. Maybe there's something affecting his life. Maybe he's not physically able to go, and he's longing and he has this desire to go to the house of God. You can interpret it that way. But I want us this morning, as we look at Psalm 84, to put Psalm 84, 1 through 12, directly in our lap, as if, as if we're looking at it through... Our Looking at it through our lens, what does Psalm 84 mean to us today? As I've spent this week preparing, I think it would be good <clears throat> as a church family. And I really feel that if we would just cancel all of our services from now till January the 8th. I think that's the best thing. And there are several reasons why I believe we want to do this. Number one, it's the, it's the middle of football season. And there's a lot of interest in it when it comes to football. So let's just go ahead and, 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 and bypass our services until January because all of that will be over. And we can come back and worship like, we, uh, like, like, like it's our last service here on this earth. But there's something else. All of us are busy. We have children who are involved in different activities and different things in life. And homework keeps us up till night. And if you're like me, you're trying to figure out how to do second grade homework. And, and all of those things that, that, that work. We're all just really, really busy. So I think it would be good if, if we could just bypass our services until January the 8th. Because that will be a new semester. And, 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 and it won't be quite as busy as it is now. And there's something else that is in a lot of our minds and a lot of our interests as we have this national election that is going to take place in less than a month. And it's probably, it's not probably, it is the, the, uh, the, the greatest election in all of our lifetime. It has caused us much grief. It has caused us much prayer. In fact, for many of you in this room, you probably don't even know who you're voting for yet. And I think it would be good if we could just really focus our time on the national election and just bypass all of our church activities so that we could really, really, really know in our hearts who God's laying on our heart to vote for on that day. 
There's other things that are going on. Soon Thanksgiving will be here and Christmas and other things that will take us interest of those things. So I think it would be really good to go about six, eight, ten weeks and just come back together on January the 8th and worship the Lord. I didn't get any amens on that one. All of you would be disappointed if that were really true. But how many of your lives would change if that were true? See, the writer who is writing Psalm 84, some of it has attributed to David, some to others. That's not the major issue today. The issue is, here's a gentleman, here's a person who longs to go to the house of God, and yet he can't. And we don't know why. But he would give anything in life to go and to be with the people of God. Psalm 84, verse 1, the scripture says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Three things this morning as we think about this subject. Tell someone. Nobody will ever tell someone something that you're not first passionate about. You will never invite anybody to Christ unless you are first passionate about your relationship with Christ. You will never invite anybody to church unless you are first passionate about the church that you want your friends and your relatives to come to. So I want us to look at it this morning, and three things from this text I want to bring out. First off is this, and it's more of a statement, and it could be even a question for you. Number one, I have a deep desire to worship the living God. I have a deep desire to worship the living God. The scripture says how lovely in verse 1 is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. The word lovely is also mentioned in Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord that will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. How lovely is your tabernacle, is the place of worship. Psalm 43, 3 and 4. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar uh, of the Lord, my God, my exceeding and on the harp I will praise you, oh my God. How lovely is your tabernacle. How lovely is the place of worship that you and I have the privilege and the, the responsibility to come and to worship the name of the Lord. Do you have a deep desire to worship the living God? <clears throat> Scripture says in verse 2, my soul longs. Yes, it even faints for the Lord. The word faints or faints for the, the courts of the Lord. The word faints means it is, it is exhausted with desire. That this writer is, is absolutely exhausted with a desire to go into the house of God and to worship. Does that describe you? 
Does, does that describe your heart when it comes to the worship of the living God? You are absolutely exhausted being in a place to worship the Lord God. The Bible says in the second part of verse 3, My heart and my flesh, they, they cry out to you. The word cry out is not a, not a cry of joy, but instead it expresses an act of sorrow. Here's someone who is, who is literally in sorrow because he cannot get to the house of God. Lamentation 2.19 says, Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the watches. Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift your hands toward Him for the life of your young children who faint from hunger at the head of every single street. Psalm 61, 1 and 2. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I have a deep desire. Do you have a deep desire to be and to worship the living God? That you will absolutely be exhausted to try to meet with the people of God and to meet the living God. See, it's not just about an ordinance to come and to say, I've been the church. The writer brings that out in the last part of verse 2. He says, my soul longs, it faints, it cries out. Three characteristics for the living God. I don't just want to go to the tabernacle. I want to go to the tabernacle to meet the living God. I don't want to just go to church. I want to go to the church house to meet the living God and to worship Him and to thank Him for all that He's done for you and all that He's done for me. I have a deep desire to worship God, I want to know Him. I have a desire to fellowship with Him. Worship is empty unless you meet the God of the worship. That is what the writer is describing here at this moment, is to, is to be in a place where the living God really is. Our worship is not just songs from our heart, but it is a song from our heart to a living God because of what he's done for you and what he's done for me look at verse 3 I love this passage in verse 3 this verse even the sparrow has found a home in the tabernacle in the place of worship and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young even your altars O Lord of hosts my king and my God blessed are those who dwell in your house they will still be praising you the writer is seeing and you can look this up through the days and the 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 uh, the, 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 the lifetime of the temple there were bird cages in certain parts of the temple and the birds would be there and they would sing praises as people are walking through the temple little sparrows and singing about the glory of the Lord and singing about the the praise of the Lord these are birds who don't even know where their next meal is going to come from yet they have a heart to sing about the glory of Almighty God Jesus says something like this aren't you more valuable than the sparrows of the field so why worry I've taken care of the sparrow. I will take care of you. The sparrow not only has a place in the home here, but also the Bible says she may lay her young. The singing of birds take notice of the glory of God and the writer envies this happiness of these and would gladly change places with them. Her young is there for those who have a place in the courts of God themselves cannot but desire that their children also may have in the house of God. 
If we're passionate about a desire to worship the living God, it will spill all the way through even into our young children. Children, come to the house of God because we are going to worship a living God and His name is Jesus. Do you have a deep desire to worship God? Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. We have so much to praise God about. They will still be praising you. If there be a heaven on earth, it is in praising God. It is in continually praising God. How easy is it for us to take for granted the privilege of worshiping the living God? The reason why I wanted you to put our, wanted me to put your life into this passage is because you have to remember this is Old Testament. That they had to go to the temple to worship God. And even because it was, old temp- it was in the Old Testament, there was a veil that separated the worship of, uh, of, uh, of the presence of Almighty God and the, the, the Shekinah glory that would come down there in that Holy of Holies. But something happened when Jesus died on the cross. That that temple, that, that veil was, was torn in two. And no longer do we go to a temple and say, I want to go to the house of God. But you go right into the holy of holies and worship the living God. You can come to a place like this among friends and families and worship the living God. You can go to your home and you can praise the name of Jesus. You have direct access to the throne of God wherever you are at. But there's something special about the church and a place where people can come and worship. Do you have a deep desire to worship the living God? Do you? Are you exhausted and are in sorrow Whenever you miss an opportunity to worship the Lord in the house of God. Scripture goes on in verse 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. If we're going to tell someone and invite people to Christ and invite people to church, we have to have that deep desire To worship the living God. But number two is that those situations in my life, I will allow my situation to be a blessing for someone else. As I look across this room today, all of you would say, yeah, I have a deep desire to worship God. I want to. But Brother John, I'm just going through a lot of stuff right now. I'm going through illness, uh, physical illness. I'm going through family things. I'm going through financial crisis. I'm going through this, this, or this. There's just some stuff in my life. And, and, and I'm going to still come to church, but I'm not totally bought into this idea yet of 3151. I'm going to be there, preacher, but I, I just can't really do a whole lot. I've just got too much stuff going on in my life. The writer says here in verse 5, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. The word pilgrimage comes from a word, and the the literal translation is highway of holiness. Whose heart is set on a highway of holiness. God, may He give all of our hearts and make it a highway of holiness. As our heart is set on this pilgrimage and to have a highway of holiness. Proverbs 16, 17, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his, preserves his, uh, his soul. The Bible says whose heart is set on the, the holiness in our life. Now look at verse 6, very interesting text. As they pass through, I underline that word pass through. 
as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. I will allow my situation, I will uh, allow God to use my situation as a blessing for someone else. The word Baca is an interesting term. There's not a lot of history to define what this valley is. It's not just a valley, but he identifies this valley as the valley of Baca. The word Baca comes from a word that means weeping. The word signifies some kind of balsam tree. That the valley takes its name from the balsam that flourished there. A balsam tree thrives in a dry area. And what's interesting here in this text, it says, As they pass through the valley of Baca, before you would get to Jerusalem, as you walk through the desert land, there were balsam trees. And it's as if the writer is thinking about people that are going to the house of God and the temple and the tabernacle and to worship, that they're walking through all of these dry areas where people want to quit, where people want to turn back, where people want to turn around and say, it's too much, I'm too thirsty, I don't have enough energy to get to the house of God, even though they are desiring to go to the house of God because of a desert lifestyle and my situation, I can't get there. Instead, the writer says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. And the rain also covers it with pools. And I, want you, I don't want you to miss this. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. They dig a well. They, they, they dig a hole. So that when the rains would come, which wasn't very often, in the valley... The Bible says the rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Now can you imagine walking through a desert land, going to the house of God, a place where you go, uh, you want to go. You're on this pilgrimage, this highway of holiness. It's a land where the situation is dry. But because somebody has gone before you, they have dug a well and the rains have come and they have filled up with water and they've been a blessing to you and they have strengthened you through this moment to nourish you, to get you to the next well. And you go to the next well and there's a place where there is water that has been left and you go from strength to strength. And because somebody else was a blessing in times past, it has refreshed you on your way to the house of God. They go from strength to strength. Each one of them appears before God in Zion in the tabernacle to worship God. Your situation you are in, if you are a believer, has come through the hand of God. Use your situation to be a blessing for someone else. Dig a well and may the Holy Spirit of God, come down and fill that well so that somebody who may come behind you can go from strength to strength to strength as they go to the house of God. So I will use my situation as a blessing for someone else. That's why no matter what you may be going through in your life, nothing is greater and nothing is more severe. Nothing cannot ever, ever, ever be accomplished by the hand of God. God loves you enough, and He knows exactly what you are going through. And that does not put us on the sideline of evangelism. It does not put us on the sideline of church and worship and sharing our faith. 
It puts us in the middle of the game and say, look at what God's doing in my life. I pray it'll be a blessing to you and encourage you to continue on and continue on going to the house of God and to worship the Lord. Everyone says that they they actually have to trust Him through something. Proverbs 4.19 says, The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines even brighter until the perfect day. So I will use my situation as a blessing for someone else. And I want you to show the last one, verse 8 and following. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold for those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Number three, I will walk every day in total trust in him. I'm going to tell somebody about how to trust in Jesus. You've got to do it first. If you want to show somebody how to walk through the fire, through difficult times, you've got to do it first. God to use your circumstance to build your trust and his trust in you I will walk every day in total trust in him there's three thoughts in this in these last three verses oh Lord God of host hear my prayer give ear verse 8 oh God of Jacob oh God behold our shield look upon the face of your anointed it's a it's it's a verse of loyalty a prayer to the king oh God behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed Verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be in the house of God than anywhere else on this planet. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. This is the incomparable blessedness of dwelling in the house of God. Verse 11 and 12, God is our sun. He is our shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. The joy and glory of perpetual communion with God and trust in God. I will trust Him every day of my life. I want to take you up to back up to verse 10. I love this verse and I hope you do too. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper. I would rather stand at the threshold of the temple in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I believe as a Christian that the most precious place for you to be a part of is a family of faith. And it ought, to be, it ought to be the time of your week that you look forward to the most. Because if you take what happened today and go throughout the rest of the week, you can even add tonight, 6 o'clock, just in case, 6 o'clock, and then Wednesday night. If Jesus were to come back Thursday... Those three things are of value, and nothing else will. Yeah, your quiet time will, and your prayer time will. Reading the Bible, you understand what I'm saying. But the temporal things that we go through in life will all be pushed aside. But one thing remains, and that's the people in the household of God. What's interesting about this word doorkeeper, you can go back and do a word study through this in, in the Scripture 
One of those comes from Exodus chapter 21, verses 5 and 6. There's some, some laws about servants. It says here, but if a servant plainly says, a servant has a desire to leave, but he says, I love my master, I love my wife, I love my children, I will not go free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost or to the threshold of the house of God. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl and he shall serve him forever. Could it be that the writer as he's writing about this remembers what it was like as a servant? Reading the Old Testament scriptures and how a servant could be set free, but he desires not to go because he loves his master and he loves his family and he stands at the doorpost and the threshold of the house of God and receives this mark in his ear as a sign that he could go free, but he desires to stay in the house of God. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. God, give me a desire, a deep desire to worship the living God. And whether it be a doorpost in the house of God or a place of service here or a place of service there, God, give me a desire to come to your house and not say that I was here, but more importantly, to say that I worship the living, almighty God. So if we canceled our services from now until January 8th, which we're not, by the way, but if we were, would your life change? Or when we pick back up on January the 8th, would we just pick right back up where we left off and nothing's changed? So I ask you in closing, do you have a deep desire to worship the living God? If you don't have a relationship with God, you don't have a deep desire to worship the living God. But God gives you that desire. He gives it to you through conviction of, of your sins. Where you can open up your heart and He gives you that, that opportunity to respond to faith and trust in the living God. And if you're here this morning you don't have that relationship with Jesus, friend, He died for you. He died for your sins so that you would have an opportunity today at this moment to open up your heart and have a desire to worship the living God. But first you must be a child of God. So today, if you don't know Jesus, would you, right where you're at, open up your heart and say, God, today I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for me, and I invite you to, to come into my life and to save me and to be my Lord and to be my Savior. That's what you can do today if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. How about those of you that are going through some tough trials? Are you willing to let God use your situation? To be a blessing for someone else. Maybe the prayer is not, God, don't let me get out of this situation. Maybe the prayer is, God, help me to dig a well. Help me to dig a well so I can go from strength to strength to strength. But that those who come behind me who, 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 have, who have not gone through what I'm going through, they can be strengthened, they can be blessed by seeing the testimony of what I'm going through and what you're going through today. You allow your situation to be a blessing for others and the number three are you walking every day in total trust in him can you say that there's nothing better in this world than being in the place and the people of God worshiping the living God 
Do you, tr- do you trust him enough to say that? Do you trust him enough to say, God, I cannot but help but be in your house? Let's pray together. Father, I ask this morning as we put ourselves in Psalm 84, and we can say something like this, Lord, how lovely is your tabernacle. My soul longs, it faints, it even cries out to be with the living God. God, we look around and we see that the sparrow is taken care of. We see the, the, the birds are there all taken care of, Lord, and how they have their place in this world to worship you. God, would you give us a desire, a deep desire to worship the living God. And God, as we come to a time of invitation, Lord, there are those who need to be saved. There are those who need to trust you as their Savior. And as we have an invitation, God, would you encourage them to come? And by them stepping out and publicly coming, they're saying, I need to give Jesus my life. He is speaking to my heart and I need to trust Him today as my Lord and my Savior. God, for the situations that you bring us through, those those valleys of Baca that you lead us through, God, may we dig a well to be a blessing for someone else. God, help us to trust you in all that we do. Lord, all of this is because we want to tell someone about Jesus. And we can't tell someone about you unless we're first passionate about you. Lord, there may be other decisions that people need to make this morning if it's church membership or those who need to come and um, uh, declare their salvation and get ready for baptism. Father, whatever it may be, Lord, I just pray that you would move uh, in and through us today. Lord, there may be some who just need to come and pray. Place their life, Lord, here on this altar. And we ask all these things in your precious name.